2: is
1: a member of the Great Big Owl family.
2: Back already, I'm Jack Beaumont, a.k.a. Busby's Backdoor Babe, a.k.a. Pat Butcher's Dodgy Invoice. This week, I'm speaking to a bloke called Guy Toyn. Who is a court reporter at the Old Bailey and the director of Court News UK? We spoke about all the weird shit he's seen in the courtroom. He's a top bloke, have a jingle.
0: Crime.
2: Guy, thanks for having me. We are deep in the, or that deep, we're now street level, but we're in the Old Bailey, aren't we?
0: We are indeed. Yeah, outside Court 18.
2: Outstanding. And what I, I should probably let you know that most of the people I've had, I'm going to have on this podcast have already had are wrong So you're different in the fact that, as far as I'm aware, you're an upstanding citizen. I don't know whether
0: I would describe myself as an upstanding citizen. But you're not a criminal, a known criminal. Can't really discuss that with you at this moment yeah. in time.
2: fair yeah. days. Yeah. So, it, But it would be different for you, because what I want to get out from you is the most nutty weird, shocking stuff you've witnessed in the courtroom. One that
0: does uh, stick out is the guy who tried to flush his wife's head down the loo. That was really, really quite bizarre. I think what happened is his wife had been um, having a sort of dalliance with the guy upstairs in their flat, and uh, they'd had a series of arguments about it. I think the wife actually went on a camping trip to Turkey or somewhere with the bloke, and uh, when she came back it all sort of um, got a bit out of hand and he ended up killing her and as you know uh, murder is easy it's always disposing of the body which gives us all sorts of difficult problems and uh, in that case what he did was he had the body uh, lying on the floor on the base of that other flat and had no idea what to do with it and so he decided to dismember it and then try and flush it down the loo. Um, it was quite weird actually because he was, uh, quite, he was a crane driver and uh, he was an absolutely reasonable bloke. You know, the sort of guy you'd meet on the street, say hello to, have a beer with and the way he described what he did in such a matter-of-fact way I think to a certain extent made it even more shocking.
2: Well, if he was talking about it so matter-of-factly then perhaps despite appearances of being a normal bloke was he obviously a bit of a sociopath kind of guy?
0: Well, I suppose you might ask yourself the question if you are a normal person do you cut your wife's head off and try and flush it down the shitter?
2: No, I'd say no. You're not.
0: You're not uh, normal. No. Or I mean, not it's not something a... I've been tempted to do recently. But how um, big was his
2: shitter, though? It's, it's it was an
0: ordinary loo. And to start off with, he actually had the full head, the full head, and tried to get the full head down the U bend. Yeah. yeah, it's. it's why he thought that would happen, I don't know and Then difficult what difficult
2: one to explain to the plumber as well
0: yeah, then, then what he, he said, he was talking about it in a ma- very matter of fact way and he said, you know, first of all I tried to get the head down and it wouldn't go so I pulled it back out and then he said, then I got it, I started smashing the head up with the hammer and then he started basically trying to force what remained of the skull and the brains down and he said, and then I can remember him saying, and then part that part of it did go He said those parts did go. He said, but then the block new bend blocked up and all the water started basically coming back all over the all over the floor. So he was had a situation where he had, you know, bits of body and, you know, blood all over the all over his loo floor. It's really, really that was quite strange, I thought. Quite strange. And so you witnessed that
2: in the courtroom, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, I heard him give you evidence, yeah. Because I was quite keen to obviously we knew we knew what he had done before he gave evidence. I was quite keen to hear his uh, explanation for how it all happened. Understandably. So, we should probably gone over this earlier.
2: You are a reporter, right? Or press officer? Or
0: yeah, a... I guess so. I mean, we, uh, we run the agency uh, Central News, which basically, the digital arm of Central News is Court News UK, which a lot of people will know from the Twitter feed and the website. Yeah. So, what we do is we supply all the national store, all the national newspapers and um, we do magazines, and obviously people like the BBC as well, uh, with court stories. And uh, we also have our own, as it were, outlet with Court News UK. Some of the ones that do conjure up, you know, some of the strange tales do come out the coroners' courts as well. People do uh, die in uh, quite strange ways. Um, we had a case not so long ago where a guy basically. Um, can we talk about sexual matters? Absolutely. Uh, basically, there was a guy who uh, enjoyed masturbating, and uh, he made quite a fine art out of it. And uh, he decided that it was uh, you know, he might also make use of the vibrator in a certain orifice of the body. I think the only problem, the problem with it was I think he got a bit too vigorous. And uh, the vibrator, unfortunately, slipped up so far that he was unable to retrieve it. He was the sort of guy, I think he was, you know, he wasn't the brightest person in the world, and he lived with his mum in this flat. And um, what the bottom, bottom line was part of the phrase. He was uh, basically too embarrassed to, uh, call a, to go to a doctor. So what he did was he just lay on the uh, sofa there uh, in some agony for several days. His mum was coming in and out, you know, feet... <laughs> giving him food and such like and of course he couldn't even really tell her what happened and unfortunately the uh, vibrator I believe had pierced his internal workings as it were and he died of blood poisoning on the sofa you know, I suppose the serious
2: case was to be made for the remote control vibrator there, also if you're going to be into that kind of stuff be loud and proud, well not loud but be you know, loud enough to tell someone that- he so had a
0: mishap. Yes, he died
2: of pride, essentially, i Well,
0: say. yeah, he was too. He basically was too, too ashamed, too ashamed yeah. to call a doctor. Bless him. Um, I think if I'd gone at that, got to that, that point, I think I probably would have called the doctor. I'd hope so too. We had another guy basically died with a strange incident with his bottom. A bloke, um, he was in hospital and he uh, couldn't find his signet ring. And um, he basically, got his wife in to visit in hospital, have a look around for it. They're looking under the bed, under the mattress. They, they couldn't find it. And of course, uh, they basically, he was had a very, very serious constipation problem, and his his gut was expanding, sort of almost almost by the hour. And of course, they did an X ray on him, and they found that what happened was the uh, signet ring was up the arsehole. And uh, I think by that time he was so far gone that basically you know, nothing could be done for him. And he actually died because his signet ring was at his bum.
2: It's funny that you wouldn't put two and two together then. I think, hang on, where's that finger been recently? Up the arse.
0: Well, the thing is with him, look, I always think with that case, is basically how did the signet ring get up to the bottom? And uh, obviously one, one way is he swallowed it and the other way is perhaps slightly... Uh, um, well, I don't, I don't really... I can't really... I suppose the
2: swallowing might be more explanatory, because how far would you have to shove a cigarette up your arse in order for it to kill you by blocking
0: you? Well, I think it just jammed up. I think... I don't know. I can't remember exactly. If, if you have a look at Court News UK, you can see these cases on there, because we, we do have a section on, on the website called Surreal, where some of the, some of the very, very strange cases that we've had uh, over the years are on that. You know, things like, you know, we had, a, we had a really great one a few years ago where a solicitor turned up in court pissed and was, you know, kissing the usher and stuff like that. That was hilarious. And those sort of cases, you know, there's another guy I, I remember who's basically doing some... Uh, he, was, he was a bit high on cocaine and he was doing some shadow boxing in front of an open window. Unfortunately, he got a bit too enthusiastic and of course out he went and they plummeted to his death. And there's, there's many, uh, many, many cases like that on there, which um, I, I, people, you know, uh, court cases as well, of course, that are, that are really, really strange, you know, mm. uh, the pissed up vicar. I remember another case, actually, thinking another one that we have on that surreal, is that guy, talking about bottoms again, and I, it seems to be a common theme, I, I do, do apologise, about the guy who shoved the old fire extinguisher up the arsehole. Which end?
1: The, uh, the, the no, no,
0: no, no, it, it wasn't the thick end, it was the actual hose. And did he, uh... He'd been off to well, he'd been off to buy, come down to London from I can Derbyshire or somewhere to, to buy a car with his father, and uh, they got really really pissed, and they were staying at this hotel, and um, in the middle of the night he decided he was going to go out and masturbate, which he did do. I think he got on his knees in the, he was in the hotel corridor having a tinker's tank, and then felt the need to get the uh, fire extinguisher off the uh, rack as it were and stick the the, the slim end up his bottom I don't think he actually set it off Um, that might have been a bit painful he he could have killed him I suppose or certainly shot him down the corridor anyway but um, yeah that was another Do we
2: we know if the dad was aware of this or even encouraging it perhaps?
0: No I don't think the father was aware of it I don't think the father had any idea that he, what, what, he, what he was doing and that was a weird one and of course we get, we get a few there's another one I think on that side I'm thinking about the old bestiality as well oh, yeah. you know the guy the, a guy I think he tried to he, he tried to have sex with a sheep and I think the sheep just sort of you know ambled off with a bemused b- expression on his face and so then I think he tried to get a cow to uh, how can I say uh, give him a bit of a blowjob
2: wow would well, you know what his technique was for that
0: well, I don't know, I'd imagine you would, you would need a, how can I say, a fairly stout harness for the animal. Um, uh, but uh, I think the cow as well wasn't too keen. And what happened, I seem to remember, was there's a couple who was, he was in a field, there was a couple picnicking nearby, and they watched it all going on. And the police actually turned up, and the bloke was still there. What? I think, he go, I think he got naked as well, I think he was
2: start-bollock naked so what, how, much, how much time do you reckon you're looking at for
0: getting a cow to suck you know? no he didn't he wasn't actually I don't, think he went, I don't think he was jailed for it I think he was given like community service I mean really if you basically you're in a situation where you're trying to get a cow to have I say perform oral sex on you really I think you need perhaps you know pity rather than punishment
2: yeah but also the cow needs pity as well mm. I'd say
0: but yeah, yeah.
2: oh it would be pissed yeah I think you know I've seen a video of that happening um, I, I d- have I, I you I doubt it was the
0: same visa. that used to be illegal
2: yeah. No, yeah, I think or having, owning a video. Uh,
0: I think, I think uh, those videos are still illegal, aren't they?
2: probably a bit of a grey area because if you're in possession of it on say WhatsApp, are you necessarily in possession of it is in the legal sense.
0: Me? Uh, no, not if you view it. But I think, I think to actually, if you download yeah. the video, I think, uh, I think it is illegal. So if, think, you,
2: if someone sends it to you on WhatsApp, and you download best,
0: it. I think films of are still classified as obscene material. I mm-hmm. may be wrong. Well, may I, be hope, wrong. I should hope so.
2: Um, Then maybe some fuckers will stop sending me then.
1: Oh, fucking hell, mate. Yeah. Hello, ladies
0: and gentlemen. Quickly, quickly, we haven't got long. Please listen to the all new Angela
1: Sandberg podcast. podcast. It's a one. Oh my God, it's hilarious. There's so much muck in it. This is Paige, the co-host
2: of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, yeah. Bestiality. All right, that's good. We covered quite a lot of large ground. Bestiality, arseholes quite extensively. Yeah. A lot of Murder.
0: Lot of bottoms, yeah.
2: What else have you got in the locker? Well, the variety. I guess um,
0: I'm going to do a, a show about a guy called Peter Walner. Um, some some of the murder cases are interesting in themselves, rather than just how can I say the the ones that are just absolute shockers like you know the bestiality and the death by vibrator and things like that. There's a guy called Peter Walner, and they're going, to a, they're going to do a National Geographic show about him. He's a guy who was cheating on his wife and uh, one night I think he wanted to see his mistress, and his wife wasn't so too keen. So being a chef, he decided to kill her with some chefly implements, as it were, and he had the old Le Crucier griddle, you know, the big cast iron thing with the handle on the end, and uh, he battered his wife across the head until she was dead. And um, then, of course, he, I think he actually got his uh, mistress to the house that night, And I think they basically... I don't know whether he... he, I can't remember whether he'd actually moved the body by then or not, but I think she was in... Certainly the the body was in one room, and they were on the job in the other. And then, of course, when when the mistress went home, we still had the problem of uh, disposing of the body. So being a, a German, being efficient and being a chef... He had to sort of make a combination of of those factors to dispose of the body. And he had a chest freezer in his shed, you know, the old-fashioned type. And uh, what he did was he chucked the body in there. And uh, you might say, of course, that there's nothing strange about um, someone uh, killing their wife and uh, putting the body in a freezer. It's not uncommon. It has happened before, which is absolutely true. But uh, I don't think we've ever had a case where uh, the husband has left the wife's body in the freezer for three years because mm. that's what he did. Yeah. Um, the thing is, of course, she obviously had parents, relatives, and they were very interested to in know what happened to her. And uh, Mr. Walner told uh, the parents that unfortunately she just, just basically had a had some sort of seizure and dropped down dead.
2: How did he, but then what about the, cor- the coroner not getting nah, like this is,
0: that's, 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 that's This is the absolute point, because basically they were saying, well, you know, we, uh, you know, wasn't there, he, he said there was an inquest, I believe he told them there was an inquest, but it was done so quickly that basically, uh, I'm afraid sure she's already been cremated. Oh, that's what he said to the parents? Doesn't he said to the parents. Crikey, so he must, and they didn't sniff her? Well, they did. They, they, they weren't very happy with this at all. So what Peter said was, why, the, the parents actually, the, the, the wife was South African and he suggested to the parents that they should come over, or the mother anyway, should come over to uh, the UK and what they could do is pick her out, pick her out a nice little uh, urn to put the ashes in and then they would have a ceremony uh, back in South Africa and that's exactly what happened. The, the mother came over... And uh, they, I think they went around various uh, undertakers looking for a suitable urn, and they picked out a nice blue and gold one, which you can still see on the website, Courtnews UK, folks. Don't forget to check it out. And um, then Peter and the mother and the, and the family went back to and had this ceremony in South Africa. And uh, Peter actually gave a speech, and it, with the urn in front of him. And he said, as he gave the speech, he said, Do you know something? I uh, never used to believe in God, but now I know, uh, when I met my wife, I found a little bit of heaven on earth. And at this point, he took the wedding ring off and dropped it in the you Imagine it, there were ashes in it, but of course, it wasn't his wife's ashes, because she was still in the fridge doing her ice maiden impersonation halfway around the world. What he'd done was rake the ashes off his barbecue and put those inside. Crikey. And so,
2: and, and, were you in the courtroom when you witnessed this Well, case?
0: that basically... The, the, the dropping of the wedding ring... is really, really interesting. The dropping of the wedding ring came from the mother's statement... And uh, when that base, I was in the court when I was in the court where that statement was read. Her statement was read, and um, I was the only one in there when that was read. It was, it, I, I still find that that case endlessly fascinating, and it's something that people do. Or people, people. Have, as well, I say, you and, and Peter were in there, should. What?
2: And Peter, Peter was in there as well.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, I was the only member of the press. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it wasn't just, just me or well, me and Peter like yeah. that on the mother you know, and no judge and jury that would be uh, is this, very this crazy. is
2: something I wanted to know when you're in the courtroom and all these mental things being read out like that statement you mentioned yeah. what what, what are the reactions of the people on trial what are the reactions to people in the room does, how tense does it get that, the, the passing of glances between them do they look ashamed at well, it's
0: quite interesting actually I don't know if you saw that Jeremy Thorpe show and um, they basically they were just discuss- they, they, they reenacted the, the, the bit where Norman Scott's basically talking about having sex with uh, Jeremy Thorpe. And he mentions a jar of Vaseline, and he also mentions um, biting the pillow. And uh, in the the dramatisation, they had all the members of the press laughing. And I'm afraid that would never, ever, ever happen. I think if it had happened, I would think, basically, I think the the judge could, could well ask the press gallery to be cleared because it's not really appropriate. Um, And you really, really shouldn't laugh or show any uh, reaction whatsoever. At some of these gory details you have to technically be completely po-faced of course there are times when you can't you know when you do laugh yeah I was about to ask
2: have, uh, when was the closest you came to laughing uh, yeah
0: I basically I have laughed I, I mean uh, I laughed at some one guy's defence was so ridiculous a few years ago I, I did uh, basically have a laugh about that and uh, I think um, well, afterwards um, uh, I think the, the clerk actually came downstairs and had to have a little word with me because I did laugh about that
2: well I imagine a few people were laughing there
0: no, because I was the only <laughs> member of the pressing court. It was just me laughing.
2: But as there, there's a the gallery stuff, there's like, is, is there not any? No, place there? I mean,
0: to be quite honest with you, it's, that was. I think that was the court over there, Court 18. And to get into the public gallery there, you actually have to come through the court. So very, it's, it's not often that PBC see people in the public gallery in there. So there was no one in the public gallery. There was just just the jury and the judge and obviously the barristers and the, and the defendant giving evidence and me laughing.
2: And I suppose the um, the. Uh... The prosecutor. The prosecutor. Yeah. The prosecutor probably rubbing his hands, I us
0: Well, it's a bit of a problem, of course. Because How if you do the you... defence that you've can... Well, it's the most ridiculous defence I've ever heard. This is one of the things, is that in this building, people, unfortunately, I, I think there's not a sufficient reduction or punishment for coming out with ridiculous defences. Because we've heard many, many, many absolutely crazy, crazy defences. This one was a guy who basically was caught... <coughs> Uh, with a shot standing outside behind a security van as the money was coming out of the van with a shotgun by the flying squad. So he was literally, he was literally caught red-handed. But what his defence was, was that basically, um, a couple of weeks before the incident, he'd been given a hold-all by a man he knew only as Mr Eggy. And uh, Mr. Eggy had asked him to look after the hold door. And uh, he, of course, never actually looked into the hold door. Uh, That would be unwise. But then, uh, after a few days, or a couple of weeks anyway at least, he decided he'd better try and return the hold door to Mr. Eggy. Again, he had not looked in it. So what he did was, he employed the services of a friend to drive him to a house where he thought Mr. Eggy lived on the back of a motorcycle. And um, what happened was, according to the defendant, they stopped outside the house where he thought perhaps Mr Eggie lived. And it was at this point that he decided for the first time to have a look inside the whole door and see what it contained. And he unzipped it and lo and behold, it just happened to be a sawn off shotgun. And would you believe it, at this very moment in time... A security van just happened to stop in front of him and they just happened to get out with uh, the cash in their hands, as it were. And that was why that was his explanation. What, what's his... What is his... This will give you a oh. laugh. The jury cleared him.
2: What? Yeah. For attempted burglary. Uh, of no, oh, oh, burglary? Uh, for robbery, yeah. Why? Well, they accepted his
0: defence, could be true. And um, they, I think they were angry to see... Basically, a member of the press wessing themselves at, at the absolutely ridiculous nature of his defence, and I think it was. I uh, will tell you what, we think you might think this defence is absolutely ridiculous. We think is we think it's possible. So, good afternoon, and it's a not guilty.
2: Wow. Um, what, what kind of was it? How confidently was he telling that about those barefaced, presumably lies? Uh,
0: well, I think he was. I mean, it's astonishing. I think people get to. When, when, by the time they get into court and they're giving evidence they actually come to believe their own bullshit yeah I think they, they managed to convince themselves to be quite honest with you of course you might say it's potentially libelous to say that basically this man has, was um, uh, was telling lies because he was cleared and therefore uh, his, his lies should be you know regarded as the truth unfortunately he has made an appearance at this court since then for another robbery and on this occasion he was convicted mm. So I think we can quite safely call him a lying toe rag.
2: (laughs) Do we know what his excuse was, his defence was for the reason?
0: Uh, I can't remember. The guy, we had a story uh, last week about a nurse who um, set off the fire alarm at his hospital so that uh, when a particular member of staff with large breasts ran out of the building, he could watch her breast wobble. Um, that one was, was, I think that was retreated by 8,000 people. And it actually, it actually was, um, it caught on in the States. That's why it's got, got quite a lot of interest. In so it. hang on,
2: how did that go to court?
0: Uh, it was basically, it was a nursing and midwifery case at the tribunal. Right. It's basically inappropriate behaviour as a nurse.
2: But what is he? He set off a fire alarm, someone's gone, why'd you do that? And he goes, no, 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 no. Why'd you fucking think that's the sweetheart with the big jugs?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's basically that's what it is. Because basically what happened was, I think that the, the reason that he basically was, got, you know, uh, got caught, as it were, was that basically as the woman was running down the corridor with a, her with a breasts of Kimbo, as it were, uh, basically he was standing there sniggering and sort of, you know, making a gesture of wobbly breasts, like doing sort of, you know, as you can imagine. I know the gesture very well. Yeah. Exactly. And, and so it, was, it became apparent that he just set the fire alarm off deliberately because he, there, was no, there, was, there was no emergency and someone had set the fire alarm off and it was him just to see this woman's breast wobble. I
2: mean, he needs to take a leaf out of the geese with the shotguns in terms of bullshit because he could easily bullshit his way
0: out of that. Well, you would think so. You would think so. But he was struck off. Good. Yeah, he was struck off. But he did some other things as well. He was a bit, you know, he was... T- touching people's bottoms and and that sort of thing. So it wasn't just that.
2: Oh, what a cut! That was Guy Toyn. Shout out to him. This episode was a bit different from usual in that, like I said at the beginning, he's not a criminal, or at least not one willing to talk about his exploits. But he has sat in countless court cases and witnessed some nuts shit. So thanks, Guy. Uh, One thing we didn't talk about, which he is passionate about, is how the decline in the numbers of journalists attending court means that seriously important stories are not being told by local press. Google Guy Toyn Vice article to read his interview with that news outlet and follow Court News UK on Twitter to see the nut stories published live from UK courts. You can also email crimeclubpodcast at gmail.com to get in touch with me and tweet at Crime Club Pod. Maybe you or someone you know is a particularly sordid individual, guilty of some of the crimes Guy reported in this episode, bestiality, to mention one. Or maybe you're just lonely and want to speak to a person equally or even more shit than you. Again, drop us a line, feel free. Thanks to Ed Beaumont for the jingles, as always. In next week's episode, we hear more from the graffiti lads. Till then.
1: It's Crime Club, motherfucker. Great big hour. The fear of missing out, the fear of going out, the fear of flying, the fear of dying, imposter syndrome, spiders, pipes from Ghostwatch, dolls with buttons for eyes. We're all scared of something, but what are you scared of? Join me, Sarah Morgan, for The Fear, a podcast about the overlap between comedy and horror. The secret lemonade drinker adverts. Geese. That time on Biker Grove, an agnopalian got shot in the face with a paintball. In each episode, I interview funny, interesting people I like, people like Phil Jupiter, Alice Lowe, Richard Osman, Riley Silverman, and Danielle Ward, about their biggest fears in a judgment-free environment. It is spooktacular. The Fear. And remember do have nightmares because they're an entirely appropriate response to the horrors of modern living. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra.